0: Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo Show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo Show. What's up? And welcome to this episode of Social Jello with Angelo. I'm joined today with John Hoylo. What's up, man? You got my name right. All right, good. It only took me six, seven years. But yeah, got your name right. Um, today, today, today we're talking about cults, as you saw in the introduction or the picture or whatever. However you found this, the title is about cults. And you might be asking yourself, why? how, is, how are cults related to my Kaju Kimbo series or to martial arts? And the reason I'm doing this podcast is actually inspired by Stefan Kesting's podcast. If you want to check out a really good one on cults check out the strenuous life podcast episode 310 um where he talks about martial arts cults with matt espion and mass espion Curtly. i probably messed up his guest's name really bad there he talks about bjj and cults at least i got your name right and i know you i don't know this other guy i do know stefan kesting though he's a great guy i need to get his name right so yeah, Stephen Kesting's podcast, Sternius Life podcast, number 310. Um, and he just kind of went into this thing about martial arts and cults. And it got me thinking a lot about cults in general and some of the things he mentioned in there. He mentioned some really interesting facts I didn't know. Uh, one of them being that the, the head Gracie guy, um, the original Gracie founder, um, one of the ways he would get money to, f- to fund the tournaments was he was a spiritual advisor
1: yeah that shocked me too man do you hear
0: the podcast did you hear it
1: i i I heard most i told you before i typically don't watch podcasts or listen to podcasts i'm a hypocrite i know but i i heard that and that really shocked me
0: yeah yeah me me either I, I i was that was all new information so he was a spiritual advisor and uh he could speak he would claim to be able to speak to the spiritual world the spirits and He would give advice to to rich people. And it just so happened that sometimes the spirits would ask for some money for tournaments. (laughs) (laughs) You you do what you got to do, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I could do a completely other podcast about the Gracie history, catch wrestling, and a lot of the, have you heard of mentalists?
1: Uh, I've heard the name. I've never looked up the official definition.
0: Okay. And I think this is really important to talk about cults. And mentalists. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been reading a book lately called um, Mass Hypnotism. Okay. And it's it's about mentalism. Mentalism is a little different from psychology. Mentalists use tools from psychology to be able to trick crowds into believing things. Mentalists and hypnotists do very similar things. In fact, a lot of mentalists also study hypnotism. And what they explain explained, it's not so much like voodoo or magic. What, what it is, is certain psychological cues to get people to believe something, even when they all can say that most likely it's not true. But they work these psychological mechanisms into feeding what drives us as humans. There's certain things that always drive us. Money- is, that
1: always, always like a, uh, is that always a negative term as a mentalist? Because I imagine magician, the stage magician, for example, could use mentalism as part of their show
0: exactly in fact most stage magicians studied mentalism all right so uh mentalism is essentially using psychology for personal gain (laughs) while a psychologist would try to help people or maybe talk to groups of people to try to give them you know stuff to help them uh a mentalist will use that sometimes it'll help them sometimes it won't but the final goal is for their gain (laughs) right (laughs) which is what psychologists would consider unethical we're supposed we're supposed to be helping people we kind of take the same Uh, is it called the Hippocratic Oath? I think it is a doctor's Hippocratic Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. For doctors, yeah. Yeah, for doctors. uh, Psychologists have to do the same thing when they get their doctorate. Like, no no harm to always help, yeah. And that's why psychologists have to help all kinds of clients, even criminals. And once you become a psychologist, you take that oath. Um, So mentalists don't. (laughs) (laughs) They do whatever they want. They're kind of like the cowboys of the psychology realm. So what does all this have to do with martial arts? Well, if you look at cults, in the environment that's needed for a cult. And you look at what a mentalist is. It's a charismatic leader. It's a charismatic leader that is essentially manipulating people for their own personal gain.
1: Now, I want to ask you, when you mention that, what is your definition of a cult? Because I, I, I talked to people about this and some of them mentioned some kind of demagogue, some kind of central figure. But the thing is, like from what I understand, the idea of a cult being a negative thing is only 100, 200 years old. The, the cult's been around much longer and I feel like, for example, a lot of Christians will say that a, Christianity was a cult when it started, and now it's not. Whereas uh, an, an atheist I've talked to will say that Christianity is a cult now, Islam is a cult, Buddhism is a cult. What is the definition that you're going by when you mention that?
0: So, when I talk about the definition of an occult, we have to talk about the, the social psychological definitions. So, in social psychology, really simply put, a cult is any organization that has very low numbers that number is chosen by the state so what the state considers a cult is any religious organization any organization that believes in whatever god whatever or not it doesn't even have to be a god right it could just be a bunch of people getting together and practicing whatever religious belief they have there might not be a god involved maybe (laughs) (laughs) there's yes maybe it's a giant alien in the sky who knows right um, and you know, Tom Cruise defeated them in the last war and they and they all celebrated not naming any names here, but like again, it has to do with the numbers. So the larger the numbers, then the government will all of a sudden say that's no longer you know we'll no longer view this organization as a cult, they're now a religious organization. Hmm.
1: So I I, I know there's actually a legal n- number for that. Is it- I've heard before that they actually changed the name. Is it are they still being called cults? I've heard that they're calling like new religions or something like that now.
0: Um, depends on where you're getting the information from. Okay. But that's where the whole idea of what a cult, like what they were calling a cult came from. Was the idea yeah. that there's organized religions that have very large numbers and they're accepted by oh, they're accepted by mainstream society. Most society members will look at this person and say, "Oh yeah, if you say you're Catholic, okay, you're Catholic." Oh, you're, uh, you know, you're, what, what, what's some other religions? Uh, you're Baptist. You're a Baptist. Okay, you're a Baptist. But we can always say that there's a big difference between a Baptist and the Westboro Baptist Church.
1: Are they considered a cult? Yes. They
0: are. Because mm. the Westboro Baptist Church, even though they are Baptist, they are a side religion away from being regular, even regular Baptists say, oh, we're not part of the Westboro Baptist Church because they're taking the doctrines to a different level to do different things. And they're doing more political activism And that's where the cult part comes in. Now, kind of clear up. That's what social scientists look at as far as what's a cult and what's not a cult. And you might be thinking to yourself, what's the big fucking deal? So they want to go do whatever it is that they're going to do. Um, And maybe it isn't. Maybe it isn't a big deal, right? I think the big deal comes from the damage that's done. So one of the things I'd like to say, I'm gonna take a step back away from all these crazy definitions that we just mentioned academically. And I just wanna talk about how the cults that actually damage people. When we look at the dynamics behind a, a cult, like uh, what happened in Jamestown. And if you don't know what happened in Jamestown, um, that was that, the whole, uh, that whole expression of don't drink the Kool-Aid, uh, that, that, that cult that was led by, wait, 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 let me clear this up, let me back this up. Not First of all, it's not Jamestown, it's Jonestown. Um, and this was by, part of the people's temple. So it's not the, the, the Kool-Aid one you mentioned was a different cult. We'll, we can come back to that later. But the whole Jonestown, um, mass, you know, mass suicide was one of the most famous ones that happened uh, that, uh, I wanna say, uh, it happened a while back and uh, the act you know, it was one of the largest losses of American civilian life until 2001 when another, when the one that we talked about, the Kool-Aid one. But either way, long story short a bunch of people got together and it was like 909 people that took cyanide and, uh, and women, children all ended up being convinced by a very charismatic leader that they should commit suicide for their greater good and and if you look at that story, it was a great story. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot of great podcasts on it. And if you read the story, the guy did not start off as a bad guy. He actually did a lot of civil rights movement stuff and helped a lot of poor commu- people in the poor community and was all about giving money to, to the poor and getting them out of poverty. And it eventually turned into a commune and turned a mass suicide. So like there's these more darker elements that come into play that's what i kind of want to focus on more not so much the idea of what is and what isn't a cult mm-hmm. but when is someone using their position of power to take advantage of you
1: well it's interesting the way you put that too how he did some good things for the civil rights i feel like yeah we've talked about mcdojos and such before i feel like there's a difference between mcdojos and cults like this in that a lot of people in the cults actually had some they really believe what they're doing a lot of them come from a, a realistic place. Uh, you know, you know, you know the name Count Dante?
0: No, good.
1: Count Dante was uh, anybody, you look up his name, you'll find it real fast. In the 80s, maybe 70s, and all the Marvel DC comics, in the back of the comics was always an advertisement for this guy with an afro doing this. And he said, he'll teach you the dim mock. I think he was the one introducing the dim mock before Frank Dukes was talking about it. And he was, he was psycho. I mean, it, it He'd said, he changed his name and said that he was, his ancestors were nobles in Spain. And so you gotta call me Count now. But apparently before that, he was sick and tired of the religious trappings of traditional martial arts and was trying to move away and to do something else to break away all that religion. And then suddenly one day he snapped and said, call me Count. And this led this led to also death as well. Uh, the Dojo Wars, if you look at it, this is something, it, his dojo and another dojo were fighting so much in each other's property that cops recall, I think some injuries, it might've been a death or two as well. But like you're saying, it's from what I heard it, at one point, he was trying to do something real, not like a fake person. He was actually trying to do something good. And that's oh. when the people go to this cult thinking of being something they're not.
0: Oh, wow. And like, again, again, the, I guess it's the, it's just, it, it doesn't have to always have to be a death, 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 Death and injury are the extreme cases of the damage caused by cults. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always always have to be death and injury. I mean, one of the things that's really common with cults, and and what I would like to define in this podcast as a cult, is not so much the numbers, but the manipulation. That's what I really want to get after. So like for for the sake of this podcast, and whenever we talk about psychology, we talk about definitions. For the sake of this podcast, I would like to say that a cult is any organization, whether it's religious or not, that the person in power is essentially trying to manipulate people mm-hmm. to for their own personal gain without their own interests, without, for their own personal interests and not the interests of their students or followers, for that matter.
1: And that's, and, a, very, that's, a, that's a really good definition to bring up, man, because uh, I, I, I one definition I heard of a cult that I liked was it's any religion I don't like. <laughs> uh, that's, that's it, a point. lot uh, but yeah <laughs> but then at the same time like uh there was a book called sapiens i forget the name of the author now uh but he this guy talking about the history of mankind he made a really good point that buddhism and communism have a lot of similarities in that they can both be labeled a religion Commun- communism is as much a religion as communism or communism is as much a religion as buddhism is uh the central figure they don't they don't worship gods buddha is not supposed to be worshipped you know he's like it, almost like karl marx is not supposed to be worshipped anything can become a religion i've been arguing for years that in japan japan is not shinto japan is not uh buddhist japan is atheist uh yeah. dis- despite having all the temples and shrines because you, t- you talk to people who go to the temples and shrines they're atheist but my i've been saying for years that the religion the cult of japan is work this is why we have people dying because they work so hard you know teachers working 100 hours a week and it's that's supposed to be accepted as normal it's uh, cults religions and anything can all mix together it doesn't have to be the Dungeons and dragons dude in cloaks in their mom's basement like darth vapor you know whatever <laughs> it doesn't have to be this image that people have and that's part of what's scary about it because no one is going to say i'm in a cult
0: yeah you know, uh- and no one's gonna ever tell you join our cult. <laughs> <laughs> Here's our pamphlet. Join our cult. Right? No one's <laughs> ever gonna do that. Exactly. And that's the scary part about cults, right? So that's yes. why I'm making this this podcast. Is um, I think a lot of times, and, and what I really want to go after is this whole idea. Just like Stefan was going after, is maybe a lot of times, us as martial arts instructors, we were in a position where we can damage our students by going beyond. Like, and, and Stefan always says this. I'm a martial arts instructor. I can teach you martial arts. If you come to me for financial advice, I'm not qualified for that. Because I'm not, I didn't study finance. I'm not qualified for that. Right. But some people will get into this position that we have and suddenly think that because they can teach martial arts, then suddenly they can start filling in all these other positions that they're not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I remember uh, I I injured my bicep. I was... when I was substitute teaching. I was waiting and I was like waiting in the gym and I was, it was a rope. I tried climbing and suddenly I felt like a tear and I saw this bump in my bicep. I'm like, what the hell is that? That night I happened to talk to a Seagong Juarez. I'm like, well, oh, he's shown me all these other cures. He, he's got to know what this is. I'm like, Sigong, what is this? And he's just like, well, that, that looks pretty bad. I don't know what it is. Go talk to a doctor. I don't
0: know. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of power in the I don't know.
1: What
0: if I know, man? Go somewhere else. Yeah, I'm not a doctor. Like, you gotta go see it. people ask me all the time, hey. So what kind of diet plan should I have? I'm like, I'm not a nutritionist. Like, <laughs> go talk to a nutritionist. I don't, you know, not the, out of my field. So again, like the idea that they're gonna use that position to manipulate people and hurt them. W- one thing that cults like to do, or people that lead groups that or cultish behavior is to isolate their victims away Mm. and take them away from their friends and family. And um, that's what happened to me when I was growing up, I was, uh, I was raised a Jehovah's witness and nothing against the entire Jehovah's witness religion. I guess now it's a religion. It was a cult. I consider it a cult and it's not because of the individual members. It has to do with the way some people Will grab the doctrine and use it to manipulate and control other people. That's where I do have a beef. Hey, you wanna be a Jehovah's Witness? That's great. That's awesome. You go do that. You wanna knock on doors and hand out pamphlets? No problems there. The only time I say there's a problem is when you socially isolate someone, you pull someone away from their family, say they have to join their religion, and now you can't do anything with their old family members that are not in the religion and they're coerced to make the other people join. Or they can't go to any type of birthday parties, uh, Christmas parties, anything that has to do that they feel is against their religion they state that they can't do it. And then they say, there's a gray area. Hey, you are allowed to go do that with your family. If you still have family to do that, you can go do that, but you just can't celebrate it with them. You can, you can be there for the dinner or whatever. But then some of the individual members, then when you get really into the nitty gritty, no, that, that, that person goes, does that. And then everyone starts, okay, that you can, they'll say, you can go do that. But then when you go back to your community, now no one wants to talk to you because you went to the Christmas party and you know right. you, you're that person, you're breaking the rules. And, and then you're now being ostracized. now you're like in this weird position where you're being ostracized by the community that you just joined, and your own family is already kind of ostracizing you because you you're not you know you're being weird you know you're, you're not you're not hanging out you're not you're <laughs> saying you don't do any of the stuff that they're doing because it's against your religious beliefs. So I guess that's where I say that's where the problem lies, is when the person when you when your members are starting to feel socially isolated. Because there's this weird punishment thing going on, where if you don't follow the rules, they'll turn their back on you and you'll get kicked out. And sometimes they'll take it to the next level, your own family members, people that you might have grown up with your whole life won't talk to you anymore. And I've had people right now, even though I never got kicked out of that religion, I left according to the rules they can talk to me. But I've had people hear me talk about this. And then they won't talk to me, because they feel that I've you know, I'm, I'm they have a t- they have a they have a title for someone like me um if you talk badly about the organization you were considered an apostate an enemy of the religion
1: they, do they use apostate I've only heard that used uh, in Islam I think
0: oh yeah they use the word apostate that's the, that's what they call someone hmm. and I'm not even that active I have some of my friends that left the religion that embraced that title they're like yeah I'm an apostate I looked at it and I think that religion is bullshit and they come after them and I don't say that I don't say hey Your religion is bullshit. I don't believe in trashing what people believe in. I just say, I'm going to do my thing. You want to go do that? That's great. That's fine. And I'm still friends with people that are in that religion. That's why I'm saying this the way I'm saying it. Because maybe they'll listen to this or maybe they won't. I don't know. But I still have friends for that religion that still talk to me. And we're still friends. Because I'm not going to try. I'm not trying to change anyone. Like I, I feel like... The opposite of that can still be true. As much as I don't like how I was manipulated and controlled by my family, and I had to kind of start my life all over again with no friends, um, I don't hold it against anyone. And I'm not going to try to make that assumption that you have to leave that religion to not be my friend. That, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, do I believe they should? Yeah, I believe they should. But do I say that they have to? No. Because I think then, that, then I'm creating that same double-edged sword. I'm saying right. I'm doing the same thing, I'm just for my end. <laughs> so, like that's that's where I think that's that's where the that cult-like mentality comes in.
1: That definitely does, yeah. And like I was saying, it's not just there. Uh, you see it in Japan with the work. Uh, you know, if if you mentioned like if you go to a Christmas party, they kind of they say you can go, but when you come back, they sounds to me like they're kind of looking at you side eye, worried about that. But then. Here in Japan, you know, you you leave on time, you get the same looks, you get the same thing if you're leaving on time instead of staying an hour late and kind of, mm, no, it's okay, you can do that. You know, it's within your contract, but mm, like I say, man, anything can be a religion, anything can become a cult.
0: And then bringing it right back to martial arts. This is the same kind of mentality that some people have when they're training a student and they say, you can only train here. Oh, if man. I hear you're training somewhere else, you're out. This you
1: Have you seen that much in
0: your guys? No, no. Actually, my um, the most my instructor ever said to me was just let me know if you're cross training. Like if you're training someone else, just let me know that you're training from else. But he told me about his where he came from. He had to ask for the blessing blessing. We start using words like blessing. Makes me cringe a little bit. Because <laughs> we're going towards that path of you know, if you want this, you have to follow this. And if you go do anything else, you're going to be ostracized. You're going to be kicked out. You're not going to be a part of this anymore. And I think that's where it gets kind of weird. My instructor was cool. He was always open to it. He just he just said, let me know that you're training somewhere else. Like, let me know that you're cross training. You know, like, yeah. You don't have to keep that a secret from you. Just let me know. That's I feel that, like, that was, I
1: feel like, that's just that was part of the, the, the rules of being polite in the martial arts. I, in, in if, when you have, you kaiju kambo, we're supposed to cross train. We're supposed to gather as much as you can. My Sifu always said, go train. You know, he, he never, he never pretended to be a master in everything in the world. If you had a chance to learn from someone else, go learn it bring it back. Yeah. That's, that's how it should be. But at the very least you should tell them.
0: Yeah. I respect that from your instructor. Exactly, But to go as far as saying like, it's that you have to ask permission. That's where we start getting to that part. And then like, this happens in jujitsu all the time. They, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, they talk about loyalty, loyalty. You have to be loyal to your school, loyal to your, loyal to your instructor. And you're not allowed to go train at another BJJ school because they're the enemy. And they kind of go into that side. And I've seen that in Japanese martial arts out here where you have like one karate school and that's the only school you can train at. You can't train anywhere else. Um, if you go train somewhere else, you're training with the enemy and you're giving away their secrets. And I've heard this come up in, in some of the kickboxing places I trained at.
1: Sounds like a Kung Fu movie.
0: I just want to know with YouTube, there's no secrets. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, okay. I, I, I understand where this mentality came from. It came from a very old school place where if you wanted to learn a technique, you can only get it from this one source and that's it. And maybe if you're lucky, you'll see some weird old drawing of it and you can figure it out on your own. Yeah. with some really vague explanation how to do it. But I mean, we have YouTube now. So like...
1: Yeah, I mean, I imagine like originally part of that was a business security to make yeah. sure that you got the students coming in. But yeah, you're, I mean, it's... With YouTube, everything's being filmed. Anytime a fight breaks out, you got five people breaking out, you know, their phones to record it. Everything's going to be seen.
0: Yeah. And I mean, again, it's like... And again, it's... I want to say that our environment creates that though. Right. So like when we go to martial, when we're in martial arts, we wear uniforms. And that's another thing they talk about in cults is they have uniforms. If you look at the more hardcore cults, they always have uniforms because it brings in conformity. Right. Yeah. And I, I remember my dad used to always make fun of me before I go to country campbell class. He's like, Oh, you're putting on your robes again. <laughs> <laughs> right? He's like, you know, like, you look like a priest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, so like, you know, it, it was that, it was that weird thing where like, you know you have you have uniforms we have the perfect formula for people to follow a charismatic leader and it's really up to us as leaders to not ask too much out of our students and this brings me to, to like one of the things that happened to one of my friends his name was uh yeah i guess i can say his name because we're not gonna say his full name his name was ian and i know lots of ians and if you're one of the ians that listen to this it's not you ian it might be you'll know um Ian was cross-training with one of my purple belts with another kempo school. He wasn't my student. He came in and it was kind of weird when he came in, he kept saying, yes, Sifu, yes, Sifu. And I'm like, hey, man, you know, well, when we're in class, you can call me Sifu. You don't have to call me Sifu when we're out of class. Like, it's all good. Like, I appreciate it. It's all good. And But I guess from his kempo school, that's what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he was training with this guy. And the, the school was legit. I mean, the guy he was training with, uh, one of our instructors had a hard time against him in a, in a kickboxing match. Right. So like he wasn't training with a pretty legit instructor, but where things got weird, where it was Ian wanted to get into MMA. And so this guy said, I'll get you a fight. Um, if you could just front me some money to get you into the, into this. And like, Eventually he he asked for money to help him with the dojo or something. And then long story short, he ended up paying him $3,000 in advance to get him some MMA fight that he never gave him. And then he ended up just closing up shop and disappearing. And I'm wondering how many other people he did that to.
1: That's just fucked up That, that I know. I know that there are some religious cult leaders who are in it just for the money. And that's the kind of thing you'll see. It still feels to me like that. It's that's, that's kind of rare though, right? I mean, usually do most cult leaders just disappear like that?
0: I mean, it depends. I think that's more of a, that, okay. So now I, I, it, this brings us right back to what Stefan Kesting was talking about as far as the BJJ's relationship with catch wrestling.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This is what catch wrestlers did. So when you hear about catch wrestling and pro wrestling, very similar. Yeah. But catch wrestling has this history and BJJ traveled with carnies and the way they worked was they would plant someone in the town and this person would go into it because this is back to traveling circus days. So right. they would send someone ahead, maybe three months ahead to join the community, get a job as a minor or whatever, part-time work or whatever. And no one knows that he's actually part of this traveling group and he, and he practices wrestling or grappling (laughs) and the troop would get there and he would train maybe with the local troop. That's there already a local catch wrestlers or not. Maybe there's no catch wrestlers. And then they'd go there and do an open, an open, uh, match Uh, during the carnival. One of the, one of the shows was that everyone can challenge their champion. Yeah. Right. And then they, you can challenge our fighters, right? Yeah. And then they'd have a few of the local guys, and this this guy that went ahead of time, he'd already trained a few people, so everybody right. already looks at him as their local champion, and no one said this yet. So when okay. he loses, so here's what happens. So they have they have a bunch of regular guys. They pick random guys out of the crowd, <laughs> yeah, to go up against their their guys, right? Yeah. And they purposely throw the matches, and people right. are betting on this, and they're like, oh right. man, yeah, our guys. Our guys are losing. Hey, maybe they can lose, right? Hey, these guys aren't that great. I bet our local champion can beat their champion who's actually in on it. Right. And then they go in and they get the money. And uh, and the guy, of course, their local champion loses. And they all bet on the local champion because they knew him because he was teaching them some catch <laughs> wrestling before was happened. And then what do you know? The circus disappears. Their local champion disappears.
1: Suddenly gone.
0: All <laughs> right. So like, does this happen in the martial arts? Kind of yeah
1: it does I can, see, I can see that happening it quite did. a bit it
0: kind of does it kind kind of, of happen kind of did and kind of does um,
1: <laughs> hey see so you mentioned the that dude ian coming in saying yes sifu yes sifu how do you feel about the term master especially oh. as we talk about cults
0: look again for anybody watching this if you have the title grandmaster i'm not knocking you that's great it's a huge accomplishment. Uh, I want to clear it up real quick. Uh, <laughs> I'm you in trouble <laughs> to be able to have the title of Grandmaster in Kajakembo. I believe you're supposed to have over like 50 students that are black belt or something like that. I, I forget what the qualifications are, but it, it's an enormous amount of qualifications you have to have. You're supposed to have. I don't know all the details on it to be get the title Grandmaster. Me personally, I just have an issue with calling anyone my master. Yeah. That's just in, in the broad definition of things. Not to say I'm not going to disrespect anyone. If mm-hmm. I see someone and they, and they say, hey, you're the title of Grandmaster, I'll, I'll call you that because that's your title. Mm-hmm. And if we're in some sort of martial arts setting where it's required that I say that to you so that you don't feel I disrespected you, going back to the whole Jehovah's Witness thing, that's what you want to believe. That's cool. I'm not going to knock it. I'll follow along. I'll play along. Right. Me personally, I don't like the idea of calling any individual master.
1: Now, the first time you said that, you said my master. And I think this is a big difference. I, there's a difference between my master and this guy who has mastered an art. Yeah. Like in Japanese sensei, people get surprised when you come to Japan and you call your doctor sensei. You know, it's, it's not just a teacher. It means someone who came before you with more knowledge. So now, first of all, I agree. I, I hate the term. And... Uh, Great grandmaster James Juarez hates the title too uh, I mean, and we keep the title because we respect and people want to give him that title and I hope I don't get in trouble for saying that uh, <laughs> uh, anyway like uh, one of the lessons I've always loved from him is that he would always talk about how Sifu and Sigong. Sifu is your father Sigong is your grandfather in the teaching world and for him that just seems more down to earth than... Grandmaster, the, the guy with the big, long, white beard standing on the mountain who teaches you Kung Fu if you meditate in the rain for six months, there is a difference in that. But I feel the same. Uh, in fact, you know about James Mitose's case.
0: Yeah, but still, let, let the, let the, the, the viewers and listeners don't, so please explain.
1: Well, this is a case where the name Master got someone in trouble. Uh, a lot of people, know, so people who don't know, kaiju Kembo, karate, judo, jiu-jitsu, kenpo, boxing, kung fu. The kenpo style was called koshuru kenpo. The koshuru kenpo guys in Hawaii are still training. They're still there. I've talked with a couple when they came to California. Great guys. I love these guys. Um, talked to Hanchi Bruce. Really cool guy. Now, the emperados learned their kenpo from a guy named William Kwaesan Chow. San Chow learned from a guy named James Masayoshi Mitose. Mitose was like a 22 24th generation Kempo. This, this Koshiru Kempo was taught father to son for like 22 24 generations. And in the 70s, something happened. Uh, somebody owed Mitose money for one reason or another. His students took it upon themselves to go collect that money. Now, this already reminds me of what you're saying. Yes, 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 yes. Like the kind of my master imagery. And again, the question you guys is, I'm not trying to bad talk them, but we see this all the time. And when they went to collect the money, it ended with uh, somebody being killed, murdered. This happened around the same time as Manson, Helter Skelter. So people were already scared about cults. And when the police reports said... We went to collect money for our master. That was not good. And it re- resulted in Mitose, who had nothing to do with it, being given life imprisonment and kind of disappearing until one of the prison guards 20, 30 years later, happened to be training Koshi Rukempo and said, Wait, are we the, the original teacher was Mitose? There's a guy named Mitose that I'm guarding in the prison. Wait, this is the same guy. You know, they might have made something good by the end, but all of the knowledge that he could have been teaching for 20, 30 years was gone because of that cult mentality and how people view cults, the idea that they just use the term master. Again, like you, man, I hate that title. I really don't like it myself.
0: And this goes back to what I said originally about this podcast being about the unique position that we find ourselves as martial arts instructors. Mm-hmm. Like we're in a very unique position. We're, we're kind of in a position of power mm-hmm. and People listen to what we say, so we kind of have to be careful what we tell them.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the, the, I mean, again, like the Kosher Kevo guys, I have respect for them, but as our as instructors, we need to teach our students to be down to earth. And we're, uh, what did uh, what did the dude say? Uh, Nimor Kaba, what did uh, Christopher Walken say? I put my pants on like everyone else, but some something, <laughs> something says, about golden underwear or something <laughs> like that, or <laughs> I sell a golden record or something like that, but yeah, we. We do need to teach our students that don't have this cult mentality. I can die by a knife just as easily as anyone else can. We're not gods. We're not, this is the cult thing, the mentality of the martial arts. Uh, Outside of Kaiju Kembo, we see things like the no touch masters and uh, the the gurus and stuff who have all of these followers. Um, One of my favorite stories in Kaiju Kembo, I've been doing my podcast about Grandmaster Gaylord uh, and I use that title. That's his official title, uh, and I respect him for who, who, and what he was. Uh, one of my favorites was we were interv- interviewing uh, Barbara Bones. How they were going to a black belt workout, and you know, here's Gaylord walking up, you know, surrounded by all these tough-looking black belts. And then this woman, who they don't know, happens to be a Kaiju Campbell practitioner, comes up, you know, goes behind Gaylord, and does this, and goes, you know, guess who? You know, Grandmaster Gaylord loves Barbara. And He's so happy. But meanwhile, the whole entourage is like, the hell's going on? Who's this woman? They were ready to lay down.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's exactly the, the kind of thing that happens, right? Where people are ready, like you said, to throw down. And maybe in a situation where the, you don't need to throw down. Right. And again, it's, it's about the idea of you know, hurting people, right? The idea where people can get hurt. Again, it's not so much about the labels of what it is. Uh, that we're calling or not calling a cult it's about people getting hurt or taking yeah. advantage taking advantage of i think is the big one i was watching this thing i'll call them out because i don't give a fuck uh called mind valley fitness it's this is thing that's been coming up on my facebook and it's because i always share martial arts stuff so the algorithm is always trying to share martial arts fitness stuff with me yeah and um it's been showing me this thing for mind valley fitness and at first i was like all right this is interesting the guy's talking about breathing techniques and uh, a bunch of nutritional advice about how he, they lost a bunch of weight using whatever fitness program that he's talking about. The, the way he was talking was hitting a lot of the same things that I just talked about. He's very charismatic, very energetic, talking really fast, talking about money, success, uh, betting, making yourself better, uh, being better for your family. When you hear someone talking like this, these are all talking points from mass hypnotism.
1: Doesn't Scientology do the same thing? I've heard they do the same the breathing exercises, the how to be healthy, and
0: all cultish places. That's why I said it's weird because we do that. Hey, I'm gonna say Kajukemba, we do little breathing exercises and stuff. We stretch out, it's part of yoga, like but like this idea because there's a physiological response to that, right? People are more in a suggestive state after they've been breathing, right? That kind of stuff. So but again, when we start talking, especially the money uh becoming more financially successful, uh taking care of your family, um r- becoming getting in shape. When when you hear someone on a video talking about these three things, these are part of our basic needs and it it in mm. what they talked about it in my mass hypnotism book is when you talk about these things, it makes people listen.
1: Mm.
0: And they start. Maybe they're not even paying attention, and that's the best thing to do is to try to net, try to make it so that it's in their subconscious, not their for. It's not in the forefront of their consciousness. Right. Mention these things to get their subconscious going, because these these are our primal drives that start getting checked. And like when I was listening to this guy talk, I'm like, oh, he's checking all the right boxes here. What what's going on? I'm gonna watch this video and see what's up. And like I watched a video and I didn't say anything. And then another video came up. And another video came. Up. And finally. I kept watching the different videos until I came across a video where he starts talking about being able to channel energies, right? Remember you sign up for this program for a low rate of five 99 or whatever a month. Of course. Right. So there's financial gain again. What are we talking about here? it's all good if you want to create a real good fitness program and it's got good fitness in there. But some of the things he was saying it was for his fitness just kind of didn't make sense. He's like, I'll show you a five minute workout that you can do two times a week and you're going to lose weight. Right? Like just that, like, instead of just if I, I, I whenever I come across these videos, I, I, the videos I like, Hey, I can give you a program where you work out 30 minutes a day. And it's not going to be that strenuous for you five days a week it's not going to be too tough and you'll be able to maintain your weight. That's right. all within the science that I've studied. If you would have said those things, I would have been like, okay, yeah, that goes, that follows the science. That's following the science that, that most doctors would say. It's not magic. It's not voodoo. It's been researched over and over again. Um, maybe it's something simple. Maybe it's walking. Maybe it's breathing. Maybe it's yoga, whatever it is. You can work that regular formula. But the, what one of the key things that made my spider senses tingle was when he said 10 minutes, I'm like, that's not possible. unless right unless you're doing something else right and then as i started going through i'm like oh okay he's going through some weird fasting thing okay wait a second and then when i got to that channeling video let me help you like first it was like okay i'm this guy who just wants to help you with health now i'm this guru and i think the word guru even came up i'm not positive on that but that yeah and i started and then when i started seeing the comments oh yeah i talked to my uncle who's passed away and they gave me this advice and he said oh i can show you how to really channel more people to help you with your financial success and i'm like going back to Gracie and talking to the spirits for money so like and getting money yeah. for his tournaments. So again, these are the things like as, as we're getting ready to wrap up the podcast, these are the things that I just hope that the person watching or listening to this podcast will see what I'm really I'm not really talking about the organization itself. Mm-hmm. I don't care what the organization is. but if you come across something that's that's clicking off your subconscious drives, of money, love, power, and success. If you hear these things come up in a video, if you hear someone talking to you about these things, if you see a charismatic leader bringing this stuff up, you really have to be careful. Yeah. That what they're selling you, it, they're selling you something. That These are cues that they're trying to sell you something. And if it's, if it's something that you wanna buy and you feel that's gonna help you, great but you do got to be careful because this person is trying to do this to manipulate you. So be on your guard. I guess that, that's, that's what I really want to say for this podcast is be on your guard. when you hear these subconscious cues coming up.
1: Yeah. Luckily as martial artists, we don't make much money. So
0: yeah, no, no, we don't. Or, yeah. yeah.
1: You need to tell uh, we're not parts of cults. cult. <laughs> We'd be much richer <laughs> if we were. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, um, is there anything you want to add, John?
1: Uh, well, the way we're going, nothing a really thing. I mean, I feel like the big thing to keep in mind about Colts is just that they really believe what they're spouting. Uh, I, I feel again, the, of course people use Colts to make money. Uh, but the danger is that they really believe it and that's why they don't go away so easily. Uh, we, in the martial arts, I love to talk shit about George Dillman. Um, did you see when he got in trouble in National Geographic?
0: Well, explain. We all, I like to explain to people that. Who's Who's Joe? Who, who's the person you're talking about? And what did they do?
1: Sure, so, uh, George Dillman, the No Touch Master or the Key Master. Uh, he was in Kempo and he got famous for doing stuff. You know, he would touch somebody here, 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 and then they'd fall unconscious. And you know, a lot of bullshit. Casting did a lot of. Uh, mentioned a lot of cool things on his podcast about like yellow bamboo and a lot of people they they believe that controlling the key you can knock people back and everything uh dillman got interviewed by national geographic and my understanding is with his permission he let a skeptic be the target of some of this of this bullshit um so some of his students went up and tried to do it and of course it did not work on the skeptic he still has a lot of students. And I think this is dangerous because that's different from someone like Yuri Geller. Uh, anybody who don't know, doesn't know Yuri Geller, he was the guy who claimed to be telekinetic. He can bend spoons. And in like 50 years ago or something, uh, maybe 40 years ago, he was on the Johnny Carson show and Johnny Carson put him on blast and proved him to be a fraud. Uh, he tricked him into saying, well, here's some spoons, go ahead and bend something. But he didn't let him prepare for the trick, so he couldn't do it. The difference being that Yuri Geller was trying to trick people and he would not be willing to do this on live television like that. Whereas Dillman, he was willing to say, yeah, go ahead. Let my guys try this on a skeptic on on television. Which one is more dangerous? A lot of more martial artists know about George Dillman and he still has a student base. That's that cult mentality because he really believes that this is working. A lot of people, Blame Christianity and Islam. They say, you know, it's all grab for money. The people believe what they're preaching. They believe that they are on the good side. And that's where the danger can come up.
0: Yeah, I think with martial arts, uh, one of the final thoughts I have with martial arts and why it can be so dangerous. Not so much the money part. Not so much the money part. Where it can get dangerous is when we're selling self-defense techniques and telling people that they can defend themselves with something when it can't.
1: Like no touch, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's that's when the harm, com- that's where the physical harm can come in. Where we're, we're essentially creating false confidence in someone telling them they're gonna be okay. They're gonna be able to keep their family safe and they can't. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people on YouTube, I know, uh, know Ramsey Dewey has been a big proponent of being anti, anti-bullshit anti Yoshido. Know, like, he's, he's <laughs> militant when it comes to, like, I can't believe this shit. Like, you know, he doesn't say it. That's where he got his whole idea for this women's self-defense series. So whole, a whole industry based on taking advantage of people that are vulnerable, women, mm-hmm. and then teaching them bullshit, essentially. Is Ramsey, doing,
1: is Ramsey doing, is Ramsey doing, doing a woman's self-defense that, that,
0: that, that's how he became famous he became famous Ramsey Dewey became famous on Joe Rogan's podcast because he has a whole comedy routine of women's self-defense if you ever want to see it it's hilarious uh it's I think it's titled like MMA fighter tries out women's self-defense so he's got a whole playlist where he'll grab and he still does it he ever so wants to will grab a video he'll look at it he'll look at the self-defense technique and say okay Let's try it. Let's see what happens. And, like, <laughs> and the funniest stuff happens. Like, I don't I don't even see how Like, he, like, and, like he'll, he'll go against a resisting opponent and, like, and they'll choke him out or whatever. Like, it doesn't work, yeah. It doesn't work. And that's like, and, he, and, he, that, that, and he calls out a different video. Like, he's doing it for a long time. That's how he started. But Rob's yeah, doing that, too, isn't he? I think Rob, he just, I think Rob he just, recently he just, did it. And he's a he huge, just started huge, it, yeah. huge fan of Ramsey. He's so like, I'm not surprised that he might have done some of like that. But, yeah. That, but that's, again, this is the whole mentalist cult scam artist part this is that that, that mentality is coming from that cult like mentality and that's what I have a beef with and that's what I want to make I, I think I mentioned that earlier I don't have anything against the organizations themselves you will believe what you want to believe I don't have anything against individuals I do have a beef with people trying to hurt others um, either psychologically or physically or financially That's where I kind of have to step in and be like oh, I'm not down for that that's not cool there. all right well that's concludes this episode of social jello with angelo i really appreciate john joining us thank you john
1: It's happy to learn i'm just here to bounce ideas
0: off of you and um for those of you watching listening uh check out social jello with angelo subscribe on youtube it's much appreciated this show grows thanks to viewers like you <laughs> <laughs> but yeah seriously it does um when you share it, when you like it, when you subscribe to it, that's what helps the show grow. It's it's growing little by little. I'm at three hundred and thirty-nine subscribers now, so that number's already gone up by ten since the last podcast. So I really appreciate the support. It'll bring you money, power, <laughs> Stop. <laughs> success. Stop, Stop. <laughs> <laughs> No, well, actually won't be any of that shit. But I do appreciate it and um and stay tuned for some more podcasts coming up and i'll catch y'all next time peace